Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today to discuss the 5-3 drubbing of Leicester. A bank holiday beach party as Fulham win yet again without Mitro. It's our last game without the big man and we did it in some style. Goals from Vinicius, Willian and Tom Kearney. What a game. Sammy, thanks for joining us tonight to talk this one through. Hey, I'm here. It's late, but I'm excited. There's good things to talk about, very few bad things. It's a wonderful time to be alive and all that good stuff. Lovely. And Dad, how are we going? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, very entertaining game and uh, looking forward to, to uh, talking about it. Well, we need to turn your mic down fractionally, but I just put that down to excitement. Doing that in the <laughs> private chat, all right. <laughs> uh, a really good game to to discuss, though, and it's it feels good at the moment. This feels like the early stages of the, of the season where, you know, we were coming off the back of performances and just feeling confident, feeling really proud of this Fulham team. And it's it's another, you know, f- three or four weeks now where Fulham have actually put in some really, really impressive performances. And look, there were some some issues, I guess, that still are worth addressing with a performance like this because conceding three goals to a team that's almost certainly going to go down is slightly worrying. But I also have to say Fulham did take their foot off the gas a little bit halfway through the game uh, when things seemed fairly wrapped up. So let's crack on with it, though. Sammy, your just initial thoughts of this game and, and how it all panned out. It was really fun. Um, it was really nice to see... Um, uh, I know we're going to discuss it more at a later point, but it was really nice to see Kenny um, in that, that Andreas Pereira role. I thought he actually suited that really well. If anything, I actually like him there to playing a little bit deeper. I thought all across the park, really impressive from the guys. I mean, you could tell in like the first 10 minutes, we were kind of playing a little bit hesitantly. But then from the second, Williams scored that first goal. It just, I, I, I feel that uh, Leicester kind of uh, showed their trump card. And then from that point onwards, it was really off to the races and i do feel bad because i do like leicester and um i like i like the narrative of leicester the past couple of years but oh they let us give them a bollocking didn't they yeah well their narrative looks like it's very different now and it's on a very different trajectory from the one where they actually won the league it definitely looks like a club in a bit of crisis at the moment obviously Sad. there's some financial issues there with king power and how much money they lost during COVID and then the number of players who are out of contract at the end of season at Leicester and putting in performances like that, it, it really just looks like a bit of a downward spiral for the club, which is obviously very sad when a club like 
when any club has a downward spiral except for Chelsea. But Dad, ah. let's let's talk about Sam mentioned Willian there. Let's talk about that first goal. Um, interestingly, our first goal from a direct free kick since Joe Bryan in the COVID playoff final. Um, mm. uh, terrible keeping, but a really mm. good ball from Willian. That's exactly what you get coached to do, put the ball towards the back post. If a player gets ahead on it, it should be a goal. If no one gets ahead on it, at least you put a shot on target. Yeah, I, like surprising, remarkable. I, You know, if that ball was in the corridor of uncertainty, and it may well be. Um, I still don't understand why he moved so late. Um, mm. it, it just, you know, it was actually miles away, relatively, from the line. And he just seems to, it looks like he's just not concentrating. And he picks it up so late and moves so late, rather than does a really awful job of it. Oh, well, he does do an awful job, but he moves so late. It's, it's surprising. Yeah, just I don't, really I don't, surprising. I don't know their keeper, but um, he's a very, very um, far reach away from Kasper Schmeichel. Hmm. Yeah, look, it, it definitely feels like a bit of an error to me. I mean, that ball, it, it's it's played into a really nice area, but it didn't have like any real fizz on it. it it's just caught him by surprise because he seems to be expecting a touch, but he really should know that there's... There's no players even close to getting a touch on that ball. And and the ball mm. just sort of bounces into the top corner. Um, a great way for Fulham to start the game, though. Um, I mean, how many times do we score after 10 minutes? And then just eight minutes later, we go 2-0 up. And it's that man again. Sam, talk us through that second goal. <sighs> It's just it was okay. Um, beforehand, uh, it was a really well worked um, piece of play that almost let Reed score, and um, uh, I thought Wilson just did really, really well at controlling the the game for the majority of the first half. And yeah, he like when Vinicius is just on in seemingly inconsequential games, he's he just turns into like I don't know, like. Like Fat Ronaldo, just just effortless class for no reason at all, and uh, yeah, it's I still can't accept him fully as the backup striker next season yet, but he uh, he is impressing. But it's just weird. It's just weird. Like it, I can't really describe it any other way. It doesn't. It's a such a. It's such. I love the B story of it. And just kind of like the secondary narrative of just his 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 rise to prominence, but it's just so random. It's 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 great though. Yeah. What what I will well, say. Nice... Sorry, I'll I'll jump in and then throw across to you though. What I will say is that um, he's never going to be our first striker. I think that's fair. No. But yeah. I feel like it's tough to settle into a new league, especially when you come from. You know, a, a league he was playing in Portugal for one of the best teams in Portugal, so it had maybe a slightly easier ride. Um, spent some time again at a at a top team in Holland as well, where you're expected to win most games. Come to Fulham, where you're scrapping against some of the best defenders in in Europe, potentially in the world. It it does take time to settle, and and maybe we judge Vinicius a little too soon. I think it's it's a different conversation to the ones we've had about Dan James, where. His, his, he scored a couple of goals for us, but 
his skill level just doesn't quite seem to be there. What I'm starting to see from Vinicius is some beautiful touches, mm. really good passing, some pretty confident finishing now as well. I feel like we're starting to see the kind of striker that maybe Marco Silva identified as a player that we wanted on our books. Dad, do you, do you feel like Vinicius is is maybe proving himself as a as an able backup? Well, I've I've seen a number of people commenting that you know Vinicius is bullying uh, poor teams, but I don't think that's true. I think this is all about yeah. confidence, and um, he's definitely got some skills. I think we, yeah, and uh, Chelsea, which you could argue, but yeah, you know team, he yeah. um, <laughs> had a good game against uh, Liverpool, um, so. I, I don't buy the fact that he's, you know, a, a flat track bully in the mm. sort of <clears throat> cricketing um, parlance. You know, I, I think I think he's got some skills. I think early on, if, if he has one weakness, it's perhaps um, his strength or positioning for aerial balls being crossed into him. But but now that we seem to be playing a bit a lot more to his strengths um i i really like what i've seen i look it's a it's a really difficult question now for fulham and marco silva to um solve the riddle of whether he you know he ticks the box as a backup striker and, and i suspect it, it's going to turn on who else we can get our hands on for the money we have available right because uh, let, let's say, worst case, we simply cannot either find or land a really good quality uh, backup striker. I don't think Silver and the team are going to be depressed about the prospect of Vinny being a backup next year. I, mm. I don't. Because I think he's shown that he can play a part. And it, 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 there's a, a few facets to, the, to his game, isn't there? I mean... He's, he's definitely got the vision and skill for those silky little, almost uh, Tom Kearney-like balls um, playing people in. He's, he's got that. I do think I do think we have massively misjudged him as like a player as well because I'm not sure about you guys, but I always thought he was going to be this very like boisterous kind of like um, Mitro-esque, but we always kind of knew he was a bit better with his feet. But he almost kind of—it almost kind of reminds me of like, um, like Lukaku, like because like Lukaku is like known as like this really, really big player. Like he's like six five. People just always assume that he's like this, like, like bouldering, bustly kind of like dude. But he's actually got a real silky touch. And Vinicius is kind of similar. Like he's uh, Vinicius. Like actually, when he's playing his game, he, he's it's all um, dare I say like graceful. Like there's a real like. There's a real like silky quality to the way he like sets up like some play and like his goals that he's been scoring they're just they're just very picturesque and very nice. It's not like how I yeah it's, he's just weird. It's weird. I see I see a lot of Brazilian flair starting to come out from him, which yeah. I love. Um, you know I I can't remember if it led to one of the goals yesterday. I feel like it did, or it might have just been one of the really good chances we had, but. Uh, the ball gets played into him, and he basically backheels it out wide to Wilson. And mm. it's it doesn't look like much at first, but when you watch the oh. back on the replay, you go, geez, he's, he's properly meant that, and he's played a perfect ball. 
into the path of the player and the defenders can't pick it up at all because it's a back heel. He's got his back to goal and somehow manages to pick out Wilson and, and it creates an attack and opens things up. And we saw it with Yeah, the I'm goal. loving I'm loving that. The goal that Solomon scored against Brighton where, you know, he sees the pass and is able to actually play the pass. And I, I feel like he, he really just didn't settle very well at first, but the, the culture of the group has been so good that I can see him starting to settle. And look, I'll throw to one of the comments that we've got on the live stream. Sorry to cover your face on the live stream, Sammy, but Steve Reynolds coming in saying, keep Vinny, but also get a more pacey striker also. Uh, mm. I, I 100% agree with that. I think Vinny proved himself to be an able backup. I, I can see him coming off the bench and causing some issues now, similar to how... AK-47 used to play, come off the bench and just bustle. And uh, Vinny's got that more creative side to him where I can see Vinny playing a really good pass through that that opens up a move and opens up the pitch. And then bring in another player on top of that, maybe someone who is a winger cross striker. And I'm thinking we always throw to him, but Giorquerez at Coventry, who I'm sure will be looking for a move. Now Coventry haven't made the playoffs as well. Uh, he's he's ready for, for Premier League football, and I think he'd be a great option. Someone who can play on the wing, but also can play as a pacey backup striker. I do think that you make a really good point there, Jack, about the Brazilian flair in Vinny's game. And if you think about it, perhaps he was under so much pressure to prove himself, and the only way you really get on the board is to score goals. So he's, he's just trying to get the ball in the back of the net, where actually he represents a lot more value to us than that. Because his participation in goals has been noted, you know, across the season. And it's so valuable that he's now becoming confident to release that flair. And I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And what I really saw as well that I liked, I, I'm sure you remember his celebration after the Chelsea goal, how you could just see the emotion pouring out of his body. Mm. Man City goal as well. You could see, and he was stoked, obviously, because he scored against Man City. But he scored that goal against Leicester, and he just looked a, a little bit more composed. I, don't, mm. I really enjoyed that. It wasn't like this release of, yes, finally, I've yeah. actually scored a goal. It was, yeah, this mm. is what I do. I score goals. Well, and, and also maybe I've, I, I've, I have arrived. I, I arrived last week or the week before, and this is what I do now. I'm part of this. Mm. I belong. Exactly. And it was it was a lovely finish, and, and hats off as well to Harry Wilson, who didn't get on the score sheet, but he really pulled a lot of strings yesterday and was super impressive. He's yeah. um, all to Vinicius there. And look, the defending from Leicester is terrible. They open yeah. up spaces, and all he had to do is... The, the commentators are saying Wilson plays this beautiful ball in behind and, and picks the pass perfectly. But when you look at it from goal to goal, straight down the pitch, the Leicester yeah. defender open up this huge gap and all Wilson has to do is put the ball basically to Vinicius feet um, and he takes a really good touch and then passes it past the keeper straight into the corner it was a, a really good way to start and look 2-0 up 18 minutes gone it kind of felt like the game was already gone Dad, did you feel like Leicester were causing us any problems whatsoever look we talked about this at length and <clears throat> the while Madison, Barnes and Vardy are on the pitch, not not to mention uh, Tielemans, but from an attacking threat, those guys are really good, and they, they were good last night. And so I was never relaxed whenever they got the ball. And uh, uh, Vardy, actually, he, he looked 
quite hungry last night, which is always a bit worrying. He looked kind of angry, hungry. <laughs> and um, so, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, look, they, they, they were terrible in both defence and, and even in midfield as well. They were pretty average. They were just giving us so much space. Uh, but up front, once the ball was in their third, they didn't actually look too bad. Mm. Yeah, that's that's pretty Leicester though, from everything that I understand about them. Yeah, I mean they're a very good attacking side. You you rattled off a couple of names there, but you look at Vardy. Would I mean he's he's getting on a bit now, but I'd say most teams inside the top half would probably take Jamie Vardy, even mm, if he's sure. back up striker. He he'd be a superb pickup for any team. Um, Madison, you know, I can't remember how much Leicester signed him for. I'm going to say 30, 40 million. Yeah. He, you know, was, was wanted by multiple big clubs, still is wanted by multiple big clubs and probably out the door. Harvey Barnes, another player who's had a couple of superb seasons recently. They're a good side. They just, no, it didn't seem to be clicking for them. And, and no, we they're, just, they're, there are four good players, Jack. They're not a good side. Yeah. Well, you know, four good players should make a good side. I think you've obviously uh, got to be well, but I, I think four good players can carry a team, especially when they're attacking players. All you have to do is is be, you know, route one defensively and just be aggressive and, and win the ball and give it to those four, midfielders and let them do the job. And they should be able to close it out. Tillemans as well is the other person I missed out. And, you know, We've seen some of the goals that he can score and some of the, the play that he creates as well. It, it's it's just surprising that they're in this position and, and how easily they got pulled apart. I, I was I was very shocked. Yeah. When when you've got that poor a defense leaking so many goals and three of your four good players are attacking players, then you're in the game of we can score more than you. Mm. And that that's pretty hard to pull off against really top sides you can defend. I did. I, I did. Yeah. I remember I, I did send you guys actually a good video um, about this basically detail. Not, not TIFO but, again. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you yeah. brought that up. I didn't. The um, TIFO slut returns. The TIFO slut. <laughs> but, they were, but they were talking about how they've um, essentially had to sell players kind of before they actually wanted to. Like Kasper Schmeichel is a great example of one. And they've essentially... Um, really chipped away at that team just to essentially like maintain their financial position and keep afloat. And that's just, I think that's had a real detrimental impact psychologically to that team as well. I mean, you've seen it with us, like literally just the way that we lost Mitrovic, how much that affected us. So I imagine it's probably like weighing on them pretty hard and to bring in the new players that they have hasn't really worked and, yeah, I, f- I really feel sorry for them because it's completely not their fault. Like, it's it's just... They well, it just is their fault. To... No, they were just subject it is to the their pandemic. Fault. No, How it's quite it? a lot their fault, though. It, they, 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 they've they come up with a system of, um, you know, selling players on and and trying to make big profits on it, and it's just not sustainable. Um, look, they've, if, they've got if your management, players in if your management model... Sorry, if your management model fails, it is your fault. Because you the, you're not you're not flexible enough. I mean, there's there's blokes like Ian Archo, Tete. I thought looked pretty impressive for them yesterday. Um, Indeedy's, you know, 
one of the best defend central defensive midfielders in the league. Um, Harry Souter, we know as an Australian, had a really good World Cup as a good player. Mm. Ricardo Carrera, right back, hasn't played that much. Soyun Chu's only played seven games this year, but he was one of the players of the season a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, it's it's a yeah, they're they're just in a bit of disarray. Their their keeper Danny Ward wasn't playing. They bought Everson in for the last nine games and. It's just not working for them, and things aren't working. Yeah, but, but but seriously, Jack, I think back to your point, and which I'm, I'm going to disagree with, uh, is that four good players, not four great players, but four good players don't make a team, and that's yeah. that. That's what happens. You just can't pull it off. I, I think they've got four very good players, and they've got a good enough squad to stay up. They've been poorly managed this season. It's as simple as that. They stuck with Brendan Rodgers for far too long. Yeah. Um, and you, we've seen what it's like when you sack a manager mid-season. We saw it when we tried to bring in Ranieri to turn things around. It doesn't work. Oh, we brought in um, Silva, and we know how good a manager Silva is. Uh, it, it can't actually change your fortunes, even after you dump a, a terrible manager. Like It's, it's, it's tough, and um, they're, they're in trouble. But anyway, back, back to Fulham, though. Um, Tom Kearney. Gets himself a start, and and how impressive was Tom yesterday, Sammy? He scores his goal on the swinger of a right foot, but what a finish! Oh, yeah, beautiful oh, that... finish. Oh, did did you want to say... go, Dad? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say that's a little harsh on Tom Kearney. That was he actually curled that. I, I think swingers harsh, Jack. Hey, hey, it's it's his <laughs> swinger. I think we all know that. Even Tom Kearney admits he's he curled he's at it to the side ninety eight. 98% left-footed, and he's got a right foot there. That foot's for standing only. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, he, I thought he did great. I really actually liked him in um, a more freeing position. Like, um, uh, like that central attacking like midfield role that like um, Andreas has been in all season, it just really bodes well for just confident players who can essentially just make some magic and give them the freedom i i often find when um uh kenny's like filling in for either reed or Polina, he is kind of trying to create a little bit more he's trying to um, maybe set up some more stuff but it was just really nice to actually see him in a position where he can just kind of go and i feel that like um he's taken like a long time to kind of um reestablish himself um, as a player, even in like the championship last year, I still don't even think he was like fully, fully cemented in like the squad because he was still ducking in and out. But um, yeah, for the rest of the season, I really like the idea of Kenny um, being in this role. And I've been quite critical of Kenny over the last couple of seasons. Um, so yeah, no, I was really positive, really beautiful goals. And again, it, I feel like a lot of... Um, like the way in which he struck those goals as well just really spoke to just his confidence and intuition as like a player as well. Like we just really nicely taken. Like we were, uh, I remember last week we were speaking about, um, I think uh, Vinicius missed a pretty key opportunity just because he didn't have that extra just mental bit confidence. of like, oh, yeah. Well, no, not even that. It's just he just didn't necessarily have like, intuition and he just maybe touched it one too many times whereas Kenny's just there he just knows it and it's just nice to see him just fully let loose it was great 
I what I was gonna say, and I was gonna throw it to Dad. I thought Dad might jump in there actually, just to get on the Tom Kenny bandwagon, but. I, I do completely agree with your point you make there, Sam. It was good to see Kenny further up the pitch. I think mm. we're used to seeing Kenny come on for Reed or even Polinia and sit basically between the two centre-backs and try and dictate play from there. I mm. really enjoyed seeing him further up, closer to the edge of the box, loved hearing the crowd sh- screaming shoot every time he got the ball, especially when he was on his hat-trick as well. But it, it was just good to see him have that little bit of extra creative freedom and yeah. he just pulled the strings. And, you know, we could say it from about Wilson. We could say about Kenny. We could say about Willian yesterday. They they all pulled the strings and just looked really comfortable as a starting lineup. And mm. it's, it's starting to see here, starting to show here that we actually maybe have a little bit more depth than we realised. And maybe the whole situation with some of these injuries some of these suspensions has actually opened our eyes a little bit more to what we have around us and what we actually have on offer. And and maybe we're learning more about our squad than we ever thought we would because of what's happened this season. And it might actually change the way we go into this transfer window, looking at players and, and not going, okay, we need to sign three or four good midfielders because we basically need, you know, people to challenge for first team spots and backup players. Maybe now we're going into this transfer period and going, we just need one or two really quality players to help this side go to the next level. And you look at how much of a difference Polinia makes when you bring someone like him into the squad. Imagine if you bring in one or two other players and then behind them you have guys like Kearney, possibly Pereira sits behind them, Neeskins, Wilson. If you bring in just a bit of quality, I, I think I, I'm really excited by what I've been seeing in the last couple of weeks because we're showing that as a squad we can do it against other Premier League teams. Uh, two two things about Kearney I think are worth mentioning. Number one, it says an awful lot um, about his maturity and his inner confidence that he's transitioned from uh, being that bench specialist or off the bench specialist to suddenly stepping up and doing really, really well uh, in a a starting role and in in an attacking role as well. Um, And and I think the other thing that I'd say about Kearney is that he is devastating against poor sides because I think he just carves them open completely. Mm. Not, 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 Not that he isn't effective against really top sides, but I think against poor sides he's just too creative and he's got those balls it just absolutely opens them up and he really shows them up and I think it's actually very very good to watch and very entertaining to watch when you've got Kenny uh, on form in an attacking uh, role uh, to feed those sort of balls through and also um, to, to to get on the score sheet so he's great to watch it's it's classic Tom Kenny isn't it Mm. No, I, I agree. He he really, uh, and not to dive in too hard on Leicester, although they were poor yesterday, but he really does have the ability to put poor sides to the sword. And he, his close control is really good. His vision's really good. His passing is really good. His finishing yesterday was superb as well. Um, let's talk about his second goal, which came just after half time, um, which was just a lovely team move. Dad, um, talk us through the goal. I knew you were going to do throw me one that I, I probably, it, you know, 
eight-goal game, five of which we scored, is going to make me a little hazy here in terms of memory. But I remember the finish. I don't remember the build-up that – all of the build-up that well. Um, so maybe I'm not the right person to ask. I, honestly, it was like, you know, late – Late in the morning, I was going to say, and, got to uh, got to remember it's a it's that happened at about eleven fifteen last night after that very long delay at the start of the game. Uh, ball comes oh, in from that, that, that's not enough of an excuse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Oh, so, the counter attack. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's the big storm by by Kenny Tete, and uh, who does brilliantly. And and I almost feel I, I know we're talking about the goal, but I almost feel that. There's so many people who've got on the score sheet. Well, actually, only three, but so many goals scored. It's actually very easy to miss talking about and and really celebrating how well all these other people played behind them. But I mean, Ken, Kenny controls it so well, doesn't he? He slots it away. But again, um, how, how, how average was the marking? He actually had space. He had plenty of time as well. Mm. Well, well, a big shout out to Vinicius there because Vinicius actually peels off towards the near post and pulls a defender with him at that point, which does create the space for Kenny. But I mean, that first touch from Kenny just put it perfectly into his path, and he does really well to side foot that and put it away. And look, four nil at that point, it it, it was already over at three nil, but four nil, the game was completely done. Um, uh, the game, get- the game is never the ga- Jack. The Jack game is never done. If you're, if you're considering it? bring if you're considering bringing on Duffy, well, whoa, yeah, I mean, whoa, <laughs> how harsh, dare but, you besmirch harsh, the name but, of good Sean Duffy? Shane maybe a, a little, yeah, Sean Duffy, good one, Sammy. Um, maybe a little fair look. Leicester did pull one back not that long after Harvey Barnes uh, got his goal. Uh, a good finish from Harvey Barnes. It, we, I almost thought it didn't cross the line at one point, but. Um, bit of sloppy defending there, and look, I was putting together our halftime thoughts during the game, and I, I was actually thinking we were looking a little bit sloppy a few times, uh, and thought to myself, you know, if it wasn't, if it was one nil, I'd be a little bit worried because we were giving up a few chances. We saw Leno pull off a handful of really, really good saves, and that goal did feel like it was coming. And not to use the old we were on the beach, but I think when you're four nil up you kind of do take your foot off the pedal a little bit and, you know, have the crowd olaying every pass and um, <laughs> cheering, you know, cheering absolutely anything that happens. It, it is <laughs> easy to get sort of caught up in the moment a little bit. So I think that goal was coming. What I – and then we did see William after that just score one of the best goals of the season. I know we've seen a few belters this year, but that's just such vintage William. Um, Dad, how good to see him cutting in from the left and just putting the ball perfectly into the corner. It was, it's just beautiful seeing goals like that scored at Craven Cottage. Well, we we talk about this frequency frequently. Uh, how much we enjoy the Brazilian flair that is sprinkled all through this team, and I, oh, as I, I, I reckon, Willian is a a huge part of my enjoyment of this season no question about it i i i love what he's all about can, can i say though that one of the things that possibly goes unnoticed here is the number of times that polinia actually is involved in the early build-up of these goals he's the one who gets the ball 
Yeah. In at least three of these goals, if not four, he gets the ball through one of those step-in tackles that he's becoming pretty famous for. And it not necessarily gets the assist, but he's definitely um, the guy who actually uh, gets the ball, wins possession back, and starts the the phase. Um, no, that's. I, I was kind of hoping that he would get he get his hat trick. <laughs> he looked like he was odds on, um, and I must thank him as well because I, I actually he won me some money last <laughs> night. <laughs> I'm 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 reluctant to sing too many praises of um Jaapolina just because I've got a couple of Manchester United friends where every time he has a good performance they just tell me he's coming to us soon and I'm just like no. Yeah, I think I think he's better than that. No chance. It's not Man United anyway. Why would they buy him? They got Casemiro anyway who they think the sun shines out of his ass even though he's not that good. Uh. But look, that, that I, was... I, I think no, um, I, I could be wrong, and you know, and I, I would never, I'd never begrudge a player um, absolutely optimizing his earning potential during his career. It's their livelihood, after all. Um, and you know, you've only got, you know, if you if you're lucky, you might have a decade playing football. And if someone's going to fill his pockets with twice his salary, can you really blame him? Um, unless he unless he goes to Chelsea, mm. but um, I actually I really I, I, maybe I'm just getting carried away with the with the the storyline, but I actually think something's happening at Fulham, which is a joy to be part of from a player perspective, and I don't think those guys are going to leave too early. We've got them for at least another season, in my mind. We've got them for at least another season. I'd hope the so. The, the only thing is, you know, these these top players they want to win trophies because at the end of the day, someone like Harry Kane, uh, how how good is it to be Tottenham's all time goal scorer, be a, a loyal Tottenham man, but how great would it be to win the Premier League or win the Champions League? Yeah, and have it on your CV because that's that's what you want when you turn into a pundit one day and they flash up. The uh, your stats and your your highlights from your career, you want to see two time Premier League winner, one time Champions League winner. You don't want to see Tottenham record goal scorer. Like yeah. it, it's great, but it's an individual accolade, and it's something that you've done all by yourself. You actually want to be part of a team that wins something big, and that's the only reason I can see some of these players leaving. And and look, Polina sort of falls into that category. He's twenty seven, twenty eight. He's got maybe three or four years left to do something like that before he starts to go, not downhill as such, because I don't think he's going to disappear off a cliff. But realistically, he's reached he, the summit. Realistically, he he wants to be. If he if he's going to make a move, he needs to do it in the next couple of seasons. And uh, let's be perfectly honest here: Fulham can't give him the can't give him what he wants. He yeah. he he's a cup winning player. And he's a mm. top player and he should be playing in the Champions League and should be showing off his wares and, and, and at the very highest level. And, and good luck to him when that moment comes. I just hope we get to hold on to him for a couple more seasons so he can help us become a stable Premier League team. And then I hope we also get a, a fair amount of money for him as well when the time comes. Um, back onto the game, though, guys. 5-1 um, at that point after the second William goal. Uh, a penalty to... Uh, 
to Jamie Vardy gets taken down by Leno. Um, slightly strange one, but uh, look, it, it probably was a penalty. There's a very slight, slight touch from Leno, but I don't think it's enough. I think Leno came far too far out of his box or mm. out of his six-yard box to attack that one and makes a bit of a rash challenge sliding in on a player like Vardy who we know manages to tap the ball away from keepers and win penalties. Um, fortunately, Leno makes a superb diving save. It's a poor penalty from Vardy. Just sort of echoed the afternoon that Leicester had been having. Dad, you wanted to make a comment there? Yeah, I, again, I saw some commentary that tried to justify why Leno came. And, you know, the, the suggestion is that, that the ball is, is over the head of Diop. It actually wasn't that at all. The, the ball is actually passed down the line and Diop mm. is going with Vardy. And he's kind of, Vardy hasn't torn away from him. But somehow Leno decides to come. I, I would have half back, uh, backed Diop to sort of stand him up at that point and at least make it difficult for him. And I think Leno slightly misread um, the situation and thought there was more danger than there actually was. Mm. I, I mentioned it to you earlier. I think Leno did a lot of sweeping yesterday. We saw him out of his box quite a lot. We saw him come to the edge of his box as well to collect the ball quite a few times. And um, he was very much on the front foot. And I think he just judged this one slightly wrong. Um, it, it's it's so wide. Like he makes contact with Vardy just on the edge of the box. So it's it's literally at the byline where the byline and the box meet. Like you don't need to be out there as a keeper. He, he If Vardy gets that ball, he maybe wins a corner. But realistically, Diop, you'd hope should be standing him up there. And I, I think he just, he, he fell well, for it a little point. bit and, and got, got pulled into it. And it's just a just a poor decision, which, look, it's, mm. it's fine. It happens. Keepers make poor decisions. Fortunately, we didn't get um, punished for it. But um, a, like I said, a poor penalty. But not long after, Leicester win another penalty. Um, this time, um, Polina is the culprit. He does hang his leg out. It's it's not a huge amount of contact, but there's definitely contact there. So, again, another fairly clear penalty for me. I think the referee, just on a side note, actually did a really good job yesterday. Uh, mm. Madison puts it away fairly comfortably. And then to finish the game off, Shane Duffy, who's come on as a substitute, a uh, bit of miscommunication with Leno there, tries to cushion the ball back to Leno, who's running out to also claim the ball. Uh, it, it was pretty ugly, let's be honest. But when you're 5-2 up and you concede to go 5-3 and you know how Leicester have been playing for the whole game, it didn't really feel like nervous moments going into the, the final few minutes there, even though there were six minutes of injury time. Look, a couple of things about Leno on reflection. Yeah, maybe that was a miscalculation. But you know what? I am I'm pretty comfortable. I'm happy that Leno is playing so confidently and possibly overconfidently in that in that particular case against Vardy. The second thing is that cushioned header, it 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 does it's not that well hit by by Duffy. And Leno actually fall he slips over in trying to he, he sees the danger and he sees I, I can't remember who it was, whether it's Vardy or not, who's about to sort of pounce on the ball. And he actually slips over. If he doesn't slip over, he probably, probably actually 
catches the ball and safely grabs it. So I think he he then makes a, actually makes a save. Uh, and the ball spills free, and then Vardy puts it away. Yeah, he gets sort of fingertips to it. There's a bit of slipping around, and like I said, it was it was pretty messy at the end there. But look, I, I think you can put a lot of it down to the fact that Duffy just hasn't been in and around the first team. We we saw a few mm. times with uh, the the defensive line, and and Duffy, you could see it was a, a dead straight line uh, along the along the back four. And then Shane Duffy about four meters further back, closer towards our own goal, and just playing players on side. It's realistically we're not going to see Shane Duffy probably ever again in a Fulham shirt, apart from sitting on the bench. So I don't think there's too many issues about um, where Shane Duffy sits within the squad. I think we're going to be looking for a better replacement come next season. But I think you know the fans really enjoyed Shane Duffy getting on the pitch. And I think that was uh, probably the most important thing for the day because it, it was a bit of a party atmosphere. Uh, well, to, from all to, accounts, to close out the segment. To close out the segment, can we just um, draw to light Steve Reynolds's comment uh, asking, "Is Duffy Elton's new Dan James?" And I just like the fact that it has become a, a full task, thing now. Task, task, that um, Dad, the audience is aware of your selected hatred of certain players, and I could not be happier for this. What do you mean could not be happy? You're the guy who loves to highlight it to create unnecessary and melodramatic drama. Because you but... are transparent, my friend. No, no. Sam, uh, Sam like doesn't... a newborn baby <laughs> fish. <laughs> Sam, Sam, won't Sorry, make a unless... Sam won't make a comment unless Tifo tell him to anyway. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I am we can paid, move on from right? that. <laughs> you wish you were paid. I think I think it's interesting also to note that um, which may may not be entirely obvious from the commentary for those watching <clears throat> um, either online or on the TV that the whole hammy end apparently were singing for Duffy way before he came on and then even after that little faux pas and and no no he is not my new Dan James Dan James is 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 his position is secure. Uh, just, just, just to be clear, um, and I thought I don't, I don't, didn't mind uh, Duffy's little cameo at all. Uh, but it, what's actually quite um, uh, lovable is that the crowd <clears throat> at the Hammy End continue to sing and enjoy uh, his his more than momentary uh, appearance on the ground. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he he got an outing, which. Could well be his last outing um, in a Fulham shirt. Jack, you're on mute. And uh, Jack is back. Good pick up. <laughs> what I would say, just to close, uh, is it was slightly disappointing not to see Luke Harris and um, Dibley Diaz get on the pitch because. It was great to see them included in the in the first team squad for the game, but I really thought when you're four 0 up against a team like Leicester, who just didn't look like they were offering anything, it would have been a really good opportunity to give some of these younger guys minutes. And I know that we are looking to close out our record points tally and, and all that, but it just felt like there's no better opportunity to get a few youngsters on the pitch than being. 4-0 up against a team who were basically in the bottom three and pretty much dead and buried. And it, it felt like that was the time to do it. And I, I'm a 
bit disappointed that we didn't see them. I don't know if you. But I think that. I, I think um, Silver is signalling very, very clearly that he's not he's not messing around. He wants mm. every point and every dollar that comes with every point. And you know, if if there's an opportunity, a clear, clear, clear air opportunity to bring young guys on, great. But I don't think he's going to do it come what may, just to give him a run out. And I think the moment Leicester started scoring goals, um, I think Silver just thought, hang on a second, I'm never going to be the laughing stock here of getting beaten 6-5 <laughs> at yeah. Craven Cottage. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I do I do understand that. It, it just it felt like that was the time to do it, and it's, it's a shame that we didn't see that. Um, hmm. A quick look at the table. I won't go through the stats from the game because Fulham were fairly dominant throughout. Um, we won. We won comfortably. <laughs> Looking at the table, Fulham's still sitting in 10th place on 48 points. Now, Brentford have played the same number of games as us. They're two points ahead of us. Um, I did have a very brief look at Brentford's fixtures remaining this season because I think Fulham potentially have a slightly easier run. Um Looking at Brentford's remaining games, they have West Ham, Spurs, and Man City to play. Now, we know Brentford can pull results out of their arse sometimes, especially against the bigger clubs. But when you're playing the team who are currently sitting first and will need to win on that final day, I would have thought to close out the Premier League and uh, a Tottenham side who are definitely pushing for European football. I just think it might be a step too far for Brentford, and it's possible Brentford only pick up you know, you'd expect them to take all three points against West Ham. But West Ham have been in fairly good form recently and picking up points as well. So um, uh, similarly as well, Aston Villa, who are sitting ahead of us, um, they don't have the easiest run. They've got to play Spurs, Liverpool and Brighton as well before the end of the season here. So God. with um, Villa on 54 points, Brentford on 50 points and Fulham on 48, it's quite possible Fulham pick up three points against Southampton, three points against Palace. And one point on the last day of the season could actually see us take eighth place. I don't think that's out of the question now. Um, I'm not expecting us to to beat Man United on the last day, but and on top of that as well, I expect Brighton will pick up at least one point before the end of the season. So I think that's probably a step too far. But that, that record points tally is definitely within reach with the remaining fixtures we have. It'd be interesting to see how... Aston Villa and Brentford go in their remaining fixtures as well. It's worth keeping an eye on because I'd love to see Fulham finish with 16 wins. I know 14 wins at the moment, which is what we're on, is the most wins Fulham have got in a Premier League season, which is just great to see. But how good if we actually finish this season with 16 victories? At that point, you're winning almost half of your games in a season, which Mm. is just a really, really good result. To have only lost 15 out of 38 games is, yeah, it's just something we should be really proud of. And I'm proud of our position in the table this year. Um, Let's kick on and just have a look at some news now. um, Seems like a silly idea to spruik another podcast on our own podcast when we're always looking for new listeners and new followers. But a bit of news is that the Fulham Fix official podcast has been launched in the last couple of weeks. Um, This one's hosted by Ivan Berry, who most people would know as the ground announcer at uh, Craven Cottage, and uh, Felix as well, who is the lead singer of the Maccabees, uh, a season ticket holder at Craven Cottage as well. Um, And they dropped their first episode last week. Second episode came out today. Haven't had a chance to listen to it with Paul and George Cooper, I think it is. 
Um, but the first episode with Berbatov is just a great listen. I know, Dad and Sam, you've both had a good listen to it. You, your thoughts on the podcast and what it's like having another Fulham podcast out there? Burn the competition. No, I actually really like them. Like, I genuinely really like this <laughs> podcast. And, yeah, they're, do- they're doing something completely different to us. So um, I, I, re- I, I really like their place in the Fulham podcast zeitgeist. They're going to obliterate almost all of us in terms of, like, actual listens and stuff but no i really like what they're doing it i really really enjoyed the bevatov listen and i'm genuinely very excited to just have another bit of content that we can get but it's also just kind of deep diving more into like players and different people with their good fulham experiences i guess i don't know it's just nice well, I think I, I agree with you, Sam, that um, really good banter, obviously guys that know a lot about Fulham and they have very good chemistry. But what, what is really good is that they're actually filling a little spot, which is actually very difficult for any old podcast to achieve. And, and they have access to great players, past and present. And it, it's very difficult for any of us to achieve that hopefully in time some some great players past and present might deign to come and have a chat with us you're welcome um but um until that happens it it's great that that uh content is going to be out there because i i will always find time to listen to it for sure and i thought i thought berbatov the berbatov interview was really good and they, they really drew a lot out of him it was a very personal very intimate conversation and uh, you know that's the kind of stuff you want to hear but are they a father and two sons talking about Fulham? no they're yeah, not and that's our stick that's our place well, <laughs> it's it's um we started this podcast when we started it the main reason we we said was there's just not enough fulham content out there uh, we, we you know love fulhamish love cottage talk love all the other places you can get content but especially living overseas, it, it's tough to stay in touch with the team and stay in touch with the news around the team and and listen to to really good content and, and consume really good content as well. So I'm always going to be happy when something new pops up, even though it's competition for us. Let's be realistic. It's not competition because nah. they're going to absolutely throw, blow everyone out of the water, and so they should yeah. as well because they're the official podcast. they got access to all these amazing people and – I'm just actually really looking forward and really excited to listening to this podcast and enjoying it and loved listening to Berber talk. Excited for Legwinski when he comes on because I think he's a real, um, you know, he was one of those guys in that little prime period when we first came into the Premier League who I loved along with guys like Mel Bronk as well. And it's, it's just exciting to have more content out there. And I think, we don't look at it as competition. We look at it as something that just sits alongside That's So Craven and sits alongside all these other podcasts. And, you know, hopefully at some point we can get them on the podcast as guests. And I don't think we're quite up to the point of getting on there as guests ourselves. But you never know. One day in the future, maybe. Um, Let's push through. Look at some of the top tweets. Why are you laughing at that? I think I'm pretty interesting. I think loads of the 750,000 <laughs> Twitter followers have. Well, I, I, I was just wondering. Hangers on. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Rewind it back. We are not (laughs) hangers on in this situation. Come on, not having that. Yeah. I'm bringing all the fungus of cottage cheese whenever I can. Also, why is Steve Reynolds barring me from answering a question? Anyway. (laughs) We'll come on to Steve's question a little bit later. Oh, we'll come on to it now. Steve is asking, um, Sam, what's what's more important, the Southampton game or Eurovision? Well, well, for me, it's actually Southampton. I'm not really sure why Eurovision gets chucked in the mix here but i mean i i appreciate your vision but i uh, this is a fulham podcast steve and we will steve, be serious steve is uh has picked up on you sammy he, he's got you down <laughs> pat um let's have a look yeah, at the top tweets though, from last night there's a there's a fair few to get through so let's rattle on the first one here from javier garcia i hope i pronounced that right at javier garcia bpi on twitter what a day. Anyone else see this? Jao Polinia tackles Victor Christensen and Carlos Vinicius for good measure and celebrates it like he scored. What a guy. <laughs> it's fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, it's, uh, that's 150 million right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's not talk about Polinia leaving. I'll get emotional. Uh, on to the next one. Uh, a regular contributor on our, he doesn't actually contribute, but uh, he tweets we, a lot. We make like him. We 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 make him contribute. He's he's our free contributor. He's basically I pass is the shit uh, <laughs> at ffc underscore ibz on Twitter. Yeah, just a small insight to Fulham fans. Dan James wasn't even on the bench today. I was going to say something. I was going to add something to that, but I won't. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> no, you just this, gave it gravitas. Was, yeah, just I, know, I know. I know. I, I, I know, but this is IBS's moment. I'm not going to take it. I think his Fulham career is done, especially when Mitro is back next week and Cabano, BDR are occupying the other bench position, or bench options. I reckon his name is Ibs rather than IBS. I think we're giving him a pretty brutal nickname there. Um, uh, look, There's nothing I, wrong I, with IBS. It affects one in five people. <laughs> I think we we scramble sort of responsibly. We sort of argued this when we're talking about um, Vinicius in the fact that he's been taking up that backup striker spot fairly well throughout the whole game, um, uh, and, and we, we've seen it over the last few games as well. He got Dan Games had an absolute dream game, um, and then got dropped and hasn't managed to get himself back into the team. So. I think we can clearly see Vinicius is is taking the spot there as backup, and like you said, Dan James wasn't on the bench. I know we it might have potentially got in there instead of Dibley Diaz or Luke Harris, but I think it probably does spell the end for Dan James if he's not getting on the bench when we're missing Pereira, Reem, and Mitro. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think he's done. Yeah. It is, uh, um, yep. I think I say something, guys. I just sound sorry, bad dad. Weighing dad, in you, here. Sorry, when you, you mentioned <laughs> IBS, dad said please gamble responsibly, and then I just started laughing, so I missed a lot of what you said, Jack. I'm sorry. It's all right. We, we, I, I, I covered covered you guys on the screen, so I couldn't see you laughing. Oh, and- great. <laughs> Look, um, no, but I think it, it is true. I think. I, all, all, all praise to the guy. 
because he had a one really good game there. But I, I think um, that one game and goal doesn't doesn't make a season, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, one from Dale here at DeLorean FFC. I think pretty much all Fulham fans would have taken nine points from eight games without Metro. Yeah, absolutely. Good pick up and nice little uh, reflection there. Absolutely. I, I haven't looked at it, but um, I think without Mitro for those games he was injured earlier in the season, we barely picked up any points. And it was always going to be such a massive challenge when you lose one of your best players or, or your, your key striker, at least, the person who scores goals which win games. How we were going to actually come away from that run of eight games and get anything out of them. Because I, I remember before those eight games, we were looking at them and going, we could pick up 15, possibly even 20 points. Uh, maybe 20 is a bit of a stretch, but we were looking at those games and going, you know, the only games I think we might lose are Liverpool and Man City and we'd win everything else. To then be placed in a position where you don't have the man who's going to lead you there there's obviously a bit of a hangover from everything that happened. And I, I agree. I think nine points from those games without your key striker and then also with a couple of extra injuries there, it's it's actually a pretty good result in the end. And and I think everyone would take nine points if, if you offered it up to them at the very start there. No, totally. uh, I, I also think, though, that the difference between Metro early in the season drifting out and being unavailable and, and for a whole bunch of games being off the boil and not fully fit is very different from basically having your back to the wall, some injustice, and mm. after an initial wobble um, when we were definitely rattled by it all, I think the, t the team's got its teeth, the bit between its teeth and have fought back and have kind of really proven that um, they're up for this, you know, not, not, not least because Marco Silva just reminded everyone in the audience, as well as the dressing room that we're not on the beach. And I think he's absolutely thumping that home. So it's not, it's not that surprising that we've started to fight back pretty aggressively, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, one here from Tom Kearney, fully backing <laughs> my about his swinger earlier on. <laughs> Um, this, yes, actually, this actually is from Tom Kearney. He says, who says I didn't have a right foot with a couple of smiling and laughing emojis? Some performance from the boys. Absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, we can all appreciate how much these guys actually are starting to enjoy playing together. And it really seems like there's a good team culture at the moment. And I guarantee he would have copped a lot for, uh, for that swinger with the right foot there. Um, and the, the players would have really enjoyed seeing him score because I'm sure they all give him shit about being a left-footed only player um, because <laughs> everyone does. Uh, but, yeah, it's great to see him score with his right foot. Um, and it was a really well-taken goal. I know I called it a swinger earlier, but he did do really well to actually put that one away. Uh, one here from uh, Fulham Fan News, at Fulham Transfer on Twitter. And a couple of pictures of uh, Vinicius, the redemption arc we all needed. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've covered this pretty well. Um, I, I, I think the lovely thing is I, I'm beginning to believe that, as I said before, he feels like he belongs. Mm. And that that's starting to bring out that little bit of flavour, Brazilian flavour, which is really great. Mm. 
Yeah, he, he's definitely um, taken on the role with with two hands, and and you know, it's been tough for him. We've we've bagged him out a fair few times on this podcast. I'm not afraid to say that and admit it, but he's really bounced back and and continued to plug away, and he's, he's proved himself in the last few weeks. And and good on him. I, I'm looking forward to having him around the club a little bit longer because he he obviously really loves it. He's he's been looking for a home for a while. He's had a fair few loan deals in the last few years, and hopefully, he's found a home that we can see him flourish in a little bit in the future. Uh, one here from uh, Jack Collins, a, a Fulhamish uh, man here, uh, Jack J Collins on Twitter. This has been the least serious game of Premier League football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, can't argue with that. Cannot argue. Um, it, it, but it you know, was, I mean, it's. I, I it, think it's it, also one of those things that you get four goals ahead, and it at this stage in the season, it's pretty difficult to keep a straight face when you're having that much fun. And I know Marco Silva would be furious that we weren't more surgical and you know really brutal, and at that point gone on to score seven because the opportunity was there but you know um it's it's that time of the season isn't it when not so much nothing to play for but you're all over them and everyone's scoring goals for fun and it's almost inevitable if you if you make a number of changes you're probably making yourself a bit vulnerable particularly if you're making a change at the back sorry duffy what no i think i think i said it to you it felt like the result almost didn't matter like it was such a it just felt like a bit of a kick around. The guys are having fun. Everyone was cheering. Um, a few times the ball sort of dropped and no one even went towards the ball. I, I don't know. It just mm. felt uh, – it's a, it's a fair comment. It, it felt like a very very much a kick around or a preseason game. It felt like, you know, they were going to take a, another break for drinks halfway through because, <laughs> you know, you do when you kind of build fitness preseason. It, it did feel a, a little bit strange and um, – it can be a little bit dangerous when games feel like that. I have to say you can let things slip a bit too much. And I think we did let things slip at the end there, but fortunately it was, wasn't costly. Um, one here from white noise on Twitter. It's, it's a retweet of one from Mark O Sierra, which is a bellissimo shirt on Twitter. The quote Fulham are on the beach quote comments after the West Ham defeat obviously really riled Marco and the players. Fair play to them for their response since then. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and look, the, the tweet below is uh, just showing, obviously, it's it's not including the Man City and Liverpool games, which were just the single goal defeats. But it's the 3-1 win against Everton, the 2-1 win against Leeds, a 5-1 win against... Uh, well, 5-1 there. It's actually ended up 5-3. But uh, the fact of the matter is he scored 10 goals across those three games, which is, you know, a team on the beach is not putting away 10 goals in three games. Uh, Unless it's so beach it's, football. Correct, actually. Good point. Um, another one here from our friend at Cottage Analytica, at Cottage Analytic on Twitter. Yeah, and this is um, <clears throat> with a reference to uh, Mickey Adams winning the Forever Fulham award yesterday or, or being awarded the forever fulham award um it's hard to overstate how important mickey adams is to football oh sorry to fulham uh appointed at a low point in our club history he began the renaissance 
And he did it with nothing, no money, no big signings, just a lot of hard work. Everything that followed was made possible by this man. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, as we were discussing earlier, I didn't see it. I stepped out of the room, actually. But um, I, I noticed, noticed that he did shed a tear when the crowd started chanting his name, which is really lovely. So it's... Uh... Yeah, and look, he took over the club when we were obviously in the old Division Three at a time when we were right near the bottom of Division Three as well and, and things weren't looking great for Fulham. And this was pre-Al Fayed, pre-Tony Khan money and Shahid Khan money, rather. Um, ah. But it, it was it was back in a time when you just had to do it with hard work and he really turned Fulham around and... You know, as this tweet sort of says, without Mickey Adams, there's no Al Fayed coming in not long after, then Kevin Keegan and Jean Tigana, everything that led to it after that. There's no European finals, there's no Premier League for thirteen years unbroken. It's it's and there's there's no this season and, and the, the great times that we're seeing, there's no Riverside stand, there's no redevelopment at the ground. It's it's prob possibly a, a move from Craven Cottage to a a ground chair with QPI. It's things that you don't really think about it, but it really is a butterfly effect. And it, a lot of it has to be put down to the work Mickey Adams did back in 95 or 96, or whenever it was when, um, when he was saving Fulham. And so it's, it's good to see him get the appreciation from the club, but also the appreciation from the fans, which is what brought on the tears singing Mickey Adams, black and white army. And um, it's, it's great seeing how much the guys and, and girls who get awarded this um, Fulham Forever um, award, how much they appreciate it and how it's an opportunity for the fans to really let them know how much they mean to the club as well. Um, mm. and I, I'm glad it's something that Fulham do fairly regularly and I, I look forward to seeing it go on long into the future because there's a huge list of very important names in Fulham's history that need to be recognised. Hmm. Um, a final one here as well. This is ridiculous. And I believe Solid. this is actually Javier Garcia's image uh, that he took that Fulham then used uh, from our initial tweet, our first tweet rather. <laughs> um, this one's from the Fulham official account. Uh, yeah, and, and apologies to those listening to the podcast. It's quite a visual, this one. You have to kind of see the silliness. I'm sure anyone who's jumped on Twitter has seen this one before. Yeah, yeah. It's Mitro being Mitro. Is this man bothering you? And he's just reaching over behind Pereira's head and jangling the earring hanging from his ear. This Mitro, is peak, this is peak nine. This is like peak nine-year-old. You're already in detention and you're just, like, annoying your friend just because you're a little bit bored, and it's like, what are you doing? You're already in trouble. <laughs> I think it's it speaks to the game that was going on in front of them. <laughs> it's like a, it's a bit of a laugh. It's a bit of a piss take. People do what they want. You know, we're having fun, and Pereira's looking pretty serious there, and Mitro's going, you know what, I'm just going to dangle his earring. Why not? Yeah, because Andreas um, Pereira, like, broke his leg, and Mitrovic has been a naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I like yeah. it. I think it shows a really good spirit around the group and um, good luck to Pereira. Imagine turning around and telling Mitro to stop doing that. That's mm. a, a scary proposition. <laughs> um, look, let's wrap up the tweets there and jump into everyone's favourite time of the night, 
Cottage oh, cheese. What do you got, it's Sammy? cottage cheese. Is that a yeast infection? No, it's your daily source of protein. It's cottage cheese. There is actually um, a quick question that Steve Reynolds wants to drop. We, we can add that into cottage cheese. So um, one striker you would want at Fulham at a reasonable price is the first question of cottage cheese, apparently, given to us by Steve. Thank you, Steve. Cottage cheese just showing its true colours all over again. Yeah. Taking what? taking ideas from other people. Uh, look, it's it's a fairly tough question because the the transfer market is so unpredictable in terms of pricing. You see, some players get snapped up. Kenny Tete gets snapped up for bloody two two million pounds, whatever it cost us. Leno costs three million pounds, and then Anthony Gordon goes to Newcastle for sixty million pounds. Like, I, I genuinely don't know the true value of players when someone like Dan James is worth. 25 30 million how can you say anyone's a reasonable price um there's there's players who i think uh, are on teetering on relegation who i'd have a look at i'd, I'd potentially ask a question about someone like jamie vardy and say mm. you know do you want to sit on the bench for a couple of years and and be our backup striker knowing that he can put away goals in the premier league or maybe even um you know sit behind mitro and you guys just faff around with each other and and score goals um, Notto at um, Leeds. I think if Leeds go down, there's some great players to pick up there, and he'd be one that I'd be looking at for the future, especially because he's very young still. But yeah. again, I have no idea how much these guys would actually cost in today's money because I could quite easily see Vardy transferring across to a team for two million, and I could also see him going for twenty five million. So I, I just don't know. But, but isn't it simply a, a, a matter of who wants them? Because if the top four or five clubs who have the money want them, then the price is different. Yeah, you know, that's if a mid, my... mid... Yeah, you got that. No, I think it's simple as that. I have nothing more to say, really. I mean, for, you know, if, if I don't know, Villa wants them or, or Fulham or, I don't know, uh, Wolves wants a player, it's an entirely different price to if uh, City... Not or... really. Not really. I do get where no, that's coming from. There's not that many bidding wars around where multiple teams want a player and they're one-upping each other and paying more and more and more for a player. It's actually more that a club just sets a value, and I don't understand how they set that value often. Uh, I think with a club like Leicester, they're going to have to set a, a, a much lower value because they're almost forced into making a lot of these sales. And that happens when teams get relegated quite a lot. But there, there just seems to be no rhyme and reason to setting prices because I, I can't remember what Man City paid for Alvarez. I think it was something fairly low, though, off the top yeah. of my head. Um, and, you, you know, you're saying because it's Man City, the price goes up. But that's just not the case. Like, I, I'm trying to work out exactly how much you paid for him doing a quick Google here. But... Um, yeah, they. I think they paid about twelve million for him, and yeah. we paid double that for Polina, and they've yeah. picked up a World Cup winner. Uh, yeah. Like it's it's no rhyme and reason, and it's it's kind of a bit of luck. There's there's a bit of um, skill there in identifying the right players in the first place, but then it's just picking up on the team and giving good offerings in, in terms of instalments and things like that, and and picking up good players. But the other dimension. Is surely that if Alvarez has an opportunity to go to Man City, he takes it and mm. is not interested in anyone else. 
Um, and if if Man City, if someone else then expresses an interest, could Man City pay more for him? Sure, they could. If they really want him, they'll they'll they'll, they'll end up with him. And so I think if if a big club is dead keen on a player, they get them and they pay whatever they need to pay for them, and no one else gets a look in, which is which is just the market, isn't it? So I'm not yeah, whinging I mean, about it. I'm just with... saying that's how it is. That's how it works. Enzo Fernandez going for. 100 million or whatever that's cheap price. Mudrick going for 60 or 70 million. Like, excellent yeah. value. Clubs, excellent will pay, value. clubs will pay over the odds for players as well. We see that a lot because they just identify them as a target. Um, the other club doesn't actually want to sell them. And so that's when prices get hugely inflated. Mm. Um, mm. I think when teams get relegated as well, it's not, it's not a fire sale. We're not going to pick up these guys. Ward Prowse isn't going to leave Southampton for 5 million because they've been relegated. He's going to go yeah. for $25 million because Southampton need the money and they could just say, actually, we're going to hold on to him as long as he wants to stay. Um, they'll, they'll hold him and and he'll be a Southampton player for even longer. They're, they're not just going to let players go because they got relegated. That's not the way it works. No, I know. But if in the, in the case of Ward-Prowse, who's obviously got, uh, you know, tasty skills, um, if if... If they put him up for a reasonable value, there'll be lots of interest, and he will go. So you're right. If they they decide to sell him and they put a reasonable figure on it, the market will out in, uh, and 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 you know will determine the the interest for a player. So uh, I think it, his uh, is a different one as well because he was realistically going to be leaving the club anyway at the end of the season. The the more interesting ones are players like Jamie Vardy, who probably has another two three years left on his contract. And if Leicester go down, he might be looking for another move. And other players like that who, you know, Ward-Prowse from about September, October was gone. You, everyone knew that this was going to be his last season because he was going to get picked up eventually. Mm. Um, it, it's it's hard to say. I, I, I don't know who decent options would be, to be honest. I think there's a lot out there. But it's all about seeing what's available on the market because I don't think Fulham will overpay for anyone because that's mm. not the way we run. Um, so it's it's about finding out what kind of value is in the market and then taking love, advantage of that. We do love a bargain, don't we? We love a bargain. It's not just a bargain. It's a, it's we love a good deal. We we love winning. It's Tony Same loves thing. Winning. He, he and, loves getting getting one over, but it it turns into gold when it gets when you get it that's right. That's a bargain. It's called a bargain. And Shut so up. ends the longest round of cottage cheese we've ever done. <laughs> so, in light and of uh, a tasty, well, <laughs> I'm not having that for one second. The friends one was an, an immaculate round. Um, uh, in light of a tasty performance, let's compare some iconic items to uh, some iconic players. So, the KFC Zinger Burger, Tom Kearney or William, we've really stepped down. <laughs> no, no, don't say me, you. Um, uh, we're all part of this. Burger, William, bit of spice. That's all Yeah, sorry. I got, I got nothing better than that. You got a new, okay, all right, okay. Um, Whopper Burger, uh, Bert Leno or Mitrovic? Oh, Mitro's the Whopper. Really? Yeah, I think Bert Leno's a Whopper. Yeah. No. Bert Leno's oh. massive. No, 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 Whopper is just all beef and brawn and, you know, 
I'm not going to. I shouldn't met. say not a lot. Not a lot of class, but um, no, it's just you know three pieces. Three pieces of meat, and uh, that, that's that's three pieces of meat on your whopper. The, Jesus, the whopper is bomb. the whopper is the king, and Mitro is our king. Okay, there all right, go. I'll accept that. Um, uh, bacon and egg McMuffin, Harrison Reed or Tim Ream. It makes you think, doesn't it? I don't. Mm. It's such a waste of my brain power. Um, <laughs> Lean. I, into it. I will go with Harrison Reed because, because. I don't know why, but I agree uh, with you. I don't know why Harrison Reed is an egg McMuffin to me, but he is an egg McMuffin to me. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you, Sam. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. With Tim Ream because he's American and that's where McDonald's comes from. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, Perry Chicken Burger, Perry Chicken Burger from Nando's, Vinicius or Polina? Oh, obvious. Perry Is Chicken it? Perry Perry Chicken Perry Perry. Yeah, it's Portuguese. It's, it's Portuguese. It's straight off straight off the Algarve beach. It's it's Polina. See, I thought it was going to be Vinicius just because it's not necessarily what you feel like at any given time, but it does hit the spot. Well, I'll accept I'll accept the punishment for that because I s- simply haven't taken you to enough destinations around the world for you to know that. That's 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 quite all right. And finally, um a red rooster chicken roll, Robinson or Solomon? I... Robinson gets the job done. Yeah, I can see that. Ooh, well, I thought I was thinking down the line of who adds a lot of mayo to their performances. Oh uh, yeah, who adds a lot of mayo? Is um, all right. You know, for, for, for context, for those non-Australians listening, rooster rolls is basically. Roast chicken in a very soft roll with oodles of mayo. But maybe you need to also add the, you know, the context of what does adding a lot of mayo mean, Jack? Well, I think most people would know that sounds good. <laughs> um, <Okay>. Useless. <gasps> so you're you're oh. going Solomon? Um. Yeah, probably. Uh, I probably wouldn't have gone either of those. So I would have gone Metro. Adds a lot of mayo. What do you um, What do you mean by adding a lot of mayo? <laughs> do you not know it's, that phrase, uh, Sam? I don't think I actually do. Melodramatic drama. Oh, okay. No, okay, okay. I can pay that. I can pay that. No, okay. I can see. I can see where you're going. I think I'll go Solomon. Um, and that's to close out the segment. And that is cottage cheese for today. Well, I just a word from our sponsors. Eating, but... <laughs> just just a word from our sponsors, Sam. To repeat, you have only one task in a week. Yeah, and you know what? I come up with it probably like ten minutes before we do this. But you know what? It's all about the energy that we. Who bring would who would ever know? <laughs> the, the really worrying thing is, you messaged us about six hours ago saying, "I've got one this this week. I'm I'm prepared." I'm ready to go, and you've come out with that. It's I did just, have um, one. I did have one. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it anyway. to you. <laughs> anyway, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was amazing. 
didn't, I didn't write far, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> um, uh, guys, another another good day to to be a Fulham fan. Coming off the back of some really good performances and looking ahead to not the toughest fixture, fixture list coming up and and looking at a few games that we should be winning from here, especially with the way we're performing. Next game, we have Mitro back. The man is back. We've gone eight games without him. It's It felt like a lifetime. feels like um, we've just been struggling through since, but we've managed to pick up points and we're coming back to, to Mitro time. And look, does he start? Vinny's the man at the moment. Uh, does Mitro get on the pitch? I would have thought so, but it's uh, it's going to be good to have our man back, especially when we play at the Cottage next as well against Crystal Palace in that last home game of the season. But I'm really looking forward to the game against Southampton this coming weekend and then Palace the weekend after before another grudge match against Man United to finish the season off. And we'll be there to cover them all. We'll be previewing the upcoming Southampton game later on in this week. Thank you again to everyone who's been interacting with us, listening to the podcast, sharing our content online. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate those joining along on the live stream as well. Big thanks to Steve Reynolds, who always gets involved. What's up, especially Steve? As Sam as well. Uh, big thanks to John Hall as well, who joined in the live stream today as well. We really appreciate people getting around us and supporting us. And um, look, we really enjoy what we're doing at the moment. It's uh, coming towards the end of the season, and we've got some big things planned for the off-season. Uh, we will be taking a bit of a break uh, around the middle of the English summer just to work on our tans over here in uh, in Australia in the middle of the cold winter. But um, we'll definitely be continuing to push Fulham content out through that time and uh, keeping everyone updated with everything Fulham during that period. So, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's uh, way past your bedtime on a school night. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed real soon. Hey, Colm as well. Colm's just uh, hit the like button for us, and I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm going to go to sleep. Good idea, Sammy. Um, make sure you listen to the next TIFO coming out soon. Otherwise, you have nothing to talk about on the next podcast. And a big thanks to Dad as well. Yeah, thank you. And uh, can I can I just say, put it out there, in the next two fixtures, is it going to be acceptable from an entertainment perspective for us to see our team score less than five. Ooh. Setting a benchmark now. Um, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see us keep scoring goals, although wouldn't as much like us uh, to concede three every game as well, but we'll see how we go anyway. Um, so, guys, again, thank you for joining me tonight. It's been really good to chat, and I'm looking forward to previewing the upcoming game as well, which we'll get to later in the week. So, everyone, until next time, come on, you whites.